0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Broadcasting worldwide on internet radio.
0: Refreshing takes on legal strategies.
1: Straightforward answers to difficult tax questions.
0: Independent ideas on building wealth. It's the Refresh Your Wealth Show with Mark Kohler and Matt Sorensen.
1: Get your free copy of Mark and Matt's ebooks and sign up for their weekly free newsletter with important tax headlines and articles right at RefreshYourWealth.com.
0: Now, here's Mark and Matt.
1: Okay,
2: taking it live here. All right. Welcome, everybody, to today's show, Open Show. Refresh Your Wealth with Mark Kohler. And I've got our substitute, special co host, Jerem Bergeson. Jerem, you on the line?
3: I am here. Great to be here, Mark.
2: All right. Glad to have you, Jerem. Well, we're showing this live right now on Facebook, Facebook Live. They can't hear you, Jerem, or the show Music Intro, which rocks. But for any of you on Facebook, if you want to call in now, you can listen to the show live. Right now, anybody out there, if you're even listen, uh, watching it on the web, uh, listening on the web, you can call in at 646-668-8326. That's 646 646-668- 668 8326. You can call in live with your questions. Live callers get priority. If you want to type in a question on Facebook, Shane's going to be bringing me those questions here during the show. Uh, he's in the other room on Facebook, monitoring our Facebook audience. Uh, and uh, there's a link. So if you're on your computer or smartphone, you can actually go in through blogtalkradio.com. Go to blogtalkradio.com, type in uh, refresh your wealth, and you'll get straight to the show and you can listen live. So, Facebook, you're online. There you go. Okay, now for everybody else, (laughs) this is our open forum show, right? We're loving it. This is our weekly show where we answer your questions about tax and legal planning, building wealth, protecting your assets, trying to bring that whole American dream together. We've got a lot of questions that came in via the web this week. Uh, For anybody that feels so bold, again, live callers get priority. Uh, I'll repeat that number shortly. But uh, Jerem, you ready to be put on the spot? I mean, this is big, you know, this is big pressure.
3: It's what I live for. I'm, I'm all about it. I'm ready. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, it's stressful for me. I'll tell you that. Because, <laughs> yeah, uh, me too. <laughs> yeah, you know, if we don't know the answer, we'll usually lie. So uh, you can plan <laughs> on that. Um, no, we don't do that. If we don't know the answer, we will find it out and report it next week on our show. But uh, we do ask you to keep your questions too the tax and legal arena. Uh, don't ask us about Donald Trump's platform or Hillary Clinton's uh, cabinet potential uh, list. Yeah, I, We don't care. We don't know. I mean, we're just all out there trying to choose the lesser of two evils. Are we not? Jeremy, have you figured out who you're voting for? Right. I mean, I, I, what do you do?
3: It's, it's the first time in my lifetime that it's, it's been this hard for me to, to decide. I'll, I'll say that.
2: Oh, it's tough. Well, rather than turn this into a political show, we're turning this into a show about us. What can we do in our personal lives to build wealth, save taxes, bring it all together? So uh, now what we normally do, for those that are new listeners to our show, we do a tax and legal tip where we you know, share something new, refreshing, cutting edge in the tax arena, maybe something on the legal side, something to help you protect your wealth, save taxes, uh, you know, whatever it could be on a tax or legal side. But- when it is the open forum show, we have repeatedly, from our audience listeners, they have said, don't do your tax and legal tip. Don't do any you know, little uh, questions of the week. Just jump into the questions because there's always so many. We never get through all of them, and we feel bad. So uh, that's kind of how we run this uh, show. That's how we roll today. Yep. It's all yep. about you. <laughs> now, Now, I do want to throw this out. Some of you, this is going to blow your mind. There is one area that you can call and ask a question, and we will have the answer within minutes. So this is not even minutes. I'm going to say seconds. What am I saying? Minutes. Jaron Bergeson is an NFL Super Bowl statistical junkie. I, I, I know. Now this is not going to be a sports call-in show, but I'm going to break the ice here with a little fun here. I, you know, what was our Super Bowl this year? What was it? Number 50. Was it? No, 25?
1: Yeah. Was it 50. No, yep. was it 50? 50. Okay.
2: Yep. All right. Now, folks, this is not rehearsed. Jerem, on your honor, right? We, you didn't even yep. know I was going to bring this up, right? No, I didn't. Okay. I'm feeling a little I'm gonna, nervous. So, okay. Are you ready? I'm going to throw yeah, out a I'm Super ready. Bowl. Okay. No, get off the web. Turn around. You've got to look out the window. I don't want you on All the right. web. I want, a, I want a fast answer here. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk Super Bowl 40. What happened in Super Bowl 40? Give me some numbers.
3: Super Bowl 40 was the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers over the Seattle Seahawks. It was a low scoring game. I don't remember the exact score. It was something like 17-10, 17-13. I don't know the exact score. I know the MVP was Hines Ward of the Pittsburgh the receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That was Super Bowl 40. It was played in Detroit. It was uh, Jerome Bettis's last game before uh, last game of his Hall of Fame career. He was from Detroit, so that was a big story going into Super Bowl Forty. Um, yeah, that's what I've got on Super Bowl Forty. Ben Roethlisberger, quarterback, uh, was not the MVP, but that was his first Super Bowl championship for the Steelers.
2: Wow, well, uh, guys, is that sick and twisted? I mean, man. Well, some of you may go, Mark, it's a lot better that Jerem knows that than your tax law tips. So <laughs> I I can quote tax law, but I cannot quote Super Bowls. Well, okay, Jerem. Now if any callers of you want to quiz Jerem on his Super Bowl prowess, we can take those calls as well. So there we go. All right. Well <laughs> without any further ado, we're gonna jump into these questions. Now, Jerem, how we do this? Is Matt and I will just take some turns. We don't take a lot of time on each question, but we just kind of go for it. And uh, we really want to make this beneficial to you. This is a chance for some of you to not pay us three or four hundred dollars an hour, but to get a quick uh, answer to a question that may be bothering you in your tax legal structure, small business structure, building wealth, marketing, social media. Uh, well, you know, these are all topics we cover on the show on a weekly basis. If you want to email in a question, do it now to mark at markjkohler.com M-A-R-K at Mark J as in Jolly Kohler K-O-H-L-E-R.com Matt Sorens is on vacation with his family so do not email Matt uh, I know Jerem you got a couple of emails uh, from some clients previously we'll see if we get to those but don't worry okay. about emailing Jerem just email me and if any of you have a live question you're listening you want to call in the number is 646-668-8326 now, we do this show uh, every month so you can mark your calendar every Wednesday at Noon Mountain for the show, but plan on uh, the first week probably in September. Can you believe it? I'm saying the word September? I can't believe I'm saying that. But the first week in September will be our next open forum show. Save up your questions and call in live for that show. Uh, if you're catching this on recording, this is, of course goes to iTunes. We're running Facebook Live intermittently throughout the show. Uh, so, uh, Facebook followers. In fact, I'm going to say that now, Shane, if you want to run some Facebook, maybe 20 minutes in a little bit of Facebook live, that'd be great too. So we got our marketing director, Shane, uh, running Facebook for us. Kind of fun. Um, okay. Well I'm going to jump into our first question and we'll see how we do. I, I, I do not screen these. That's how ghetto we are. We are sponsored <laughs> by rockstar. We just freaking go for it. <laughs> so, awesome. You know, yeah, someone is, uh, screening Rush Limbaugh's questions. We don't get that. So, no. okay. Uh, question from Chuck, Chuck, you're up first. He says, Mark, thanks for all you do for small business owners. The radio show is excellent and very helpful. Chuck. Thanks. That means a lot. This is, uh, man, today. I needed to hear that because we spent a lot of work getting here today. Um, okay. He says, I live in Oklahoma and I am considering purchasing a rental in Florida. Do I need to start a new LLC in Florida or can I place the rental in an Oklahoma LLC? God bless. Well, Jerem, let's start off with a little base hit here, a little softball action. Uh, yeah. What would you say to Chuck if you were on the phone with Chuck?
1: Well,
3: Chuck, you can place the Florida property in your Oklahoma LLC. I would advise you strongly to um, uh, to register your Oklahoma LLC as a foreign entity doing business in Florida, Uh, if that's where the rental property is, that is just going to make sure that you get the full protections uh, and advantages of the LLC statute in Florida uh, for your Florida rental. Um, So you absolutely can do that. There are reasons you might want to set up a new LLC in Florida for your Florida rental. If you want to keep the the liabilities of that Florida rental separate from the liabilities uh, and assets of Oklahoma LLC. Um, you can cer- you certainly can set up another LLC in Florida for that rental. And if you're setting up a new one, I would set it up in Florida. But the the short answer is yes, you can. You can just go ahead and, and put it in the Oklahoma LLC and register that LLC in the state of Florida.
2: I like it. I do want to add this. Uh, I, I won't repeat anything Jeremy said. He was 100 percent right on from my perspective. Um, I would say this, Chuck, that uh, if you don't register the Oklahoma LLC in Florida as a foreign entity doing business in Florida, Uh, but you deed the property into the LLC, but never register that Oklahoma LLC in Florida, if something goes wrong, you're personally liable because the LLC would not protect you in Florida because they're like, you're not doing business here. This LLC isn't registered to do business here. And it would give the plaintiff in Florida a really big leg up in trying to come after you personally. And we don't want that one other side note for any of you that are doing business in Florida, I'll just add this. There is a Florida stamp tax. Now, we all love Florida. There's no state tax in Florida. Uh, it's got the Zika virus and no state tax. We love that. But perfect. the problem is – yeah, perfect combination. But the, but the problem is where the government giveth, the government taketh away. So even though they give you no state tax in Florida – When you deed a property into an LLC in Florida, there's a stamp tax. It's about $0.07 per $100. Uh, So it's it's not a lot, but on a $100,000 property, it would be about $700. Now, it's a one-time fee, and you're done. The filing fees in Florida aren't bad, and there's no state tax there. So just know that's the cost of doing business there with your rental. What I do recommend is when you buy that property in Florida, try to close in the name of the LLC. Now, if you've got a lender involved, they may freak out. Remember bankers are from Venus. We're all from Mars, but if they freak out and want you to close in your own name and deed to the LLC, you're going to have a stamp tax. But if you can close in the name of the LLC, you can avoid that tax. All right. Great question, Chuck. All right. I don't know if this is going to be me giving, you know, Jerem first run at each question and then I, I, I back clean up. Yeah, I may be batting cleanup. I don't know. We'll see how yeah. it goes. <laughs> I can do that however you want to roll. I mean, I, there we go. Thanks, Jared. I, I'm sorry. I'm kind of controlling the questions coming in. Okay. This question is from RJ. Uh, he says, uh, well, I should say he, I apologize. Uh, it could be RJ as a, a male or female. Uh, the home residence was just refinanced. We received $60,000 from the appraised value and the refinanced amount how should the 60 K be protected from taxes would like to have access to 60 K down the road without incurring penalties. Okay. Well, I, this is kind of tax driven. So maybe Yeah, it kind of sounds this.
3: like, yeah, it kind of sounds like you on this one.
2: <laughs> well, you certainly can add anything to it. You'd like, Yeah. so RJ, here's the deal. Everybody out there. This is a great question. When you refinance your home, primary residence or a rental to be a rental home, when you refinance, and suck any cash out, there is no tax on that money. There is no tax on debt, refinance, cash flow, whatever. You're getting this cash from the refi. I don't want to use the word cash flow. That connotates ongoing cash flow. But when you refinance and you strip equity out of a property, there's no tax on that money. So RJ, the next question is, where are you going to deploy that $60,000? Are you going to go use it as a down payment on another rental? Cool. Do it. Now, if you make money on that other rental, you'll pay tax on that cash flow. Or as you know, with rentals, we usually have zero tax, uh, taxable income and tax-free cash flow. But so use that 60 grand wisely. Uh, There's no tax on it. Now, as you make money to pay back that 60 grand, you'll pay taxes on that. So if you went out and made sixty grand tomorrow, you're going to pay taxes on the sixty grand you made, and then you could pay off your debt on the refi. So that's where you're going to pay taxes on the money you earn to pay down the loan. But in summary, again, no taxes when you suck cash out of a refi. Uh, anything you want to add on that?
3: No, that, that makes sense to me.
2: Okay. Um, okay. We've got a question from Chris here. He says, uh, Mark, thanks for uh, doing this. Uh, I've been active on your uh, Strategic Wealth Alliance uh, webinars, and I'm following your advice for holding rental properties. Thanks, Chris. Let me just say this to everybody listening today, and especially if you get this uh, on recording in the next 48 hours, we are. I'm holding my uh, web, next webinar Thursday night this week. Uh, that's tomorrow night. I guess it's not going to be 48 hours, <laughs> about 36 hours from now. Uh, so that is tomorrow night at 6 Mountain Time. So at least it's after five o'clock for every time zone. Uh, It's a webinar for a full hour where I share my screen and we're going to be talking about paying family members. So I break down every possible question on paying kids under age 18, over age 18, grandkids, parents, spouses. You know, how how do we pay all that? and get the best write-off. So that's a full-hour webinar. My Strategic Wealth Alliance is 20 bucks a month, and you get access to the last 12 recorded webinars as well. So it's a really great value. And it's, it's a whole hour where I can't do it in a workshop, I can't do it on a radio show, and I share my screen. It's very, very informative. So if any of you want to check that out, go to my website, markjcohler.com, go to the products, look for the SWA webinars, and sign up, and you'll get an email tomorrow before the uh, webinar. Okay, here's his question you've been a huge help to me and my wife. Thanks, Chris. And he says, question one, with a single member LLC that has no employees, I know it's important to have separate bank accounts and credit cards, but as money comes in, uh, does the money need to remain in the LLC bank account or can we just transfer it into our personal account? I ask because ultimately taxes flow through. Jerem, do you want to give it a shot right off the bat? So I've got a single member LLC, money's coming in. Can I pull it out? What do I do? What's the difference between pulling out draws versus what I might get taxed on? Do you want to take a stab at that?
3: Well, I mean, you're going to get taxed on – Whatever income the the LLC makes, whether you pull it out or not, I, I want to throw that out there first of all, because the LLC's income flows through to you. Uh, it's a flow through entity, whether it's a single member LLC or a multi member LLC. It's still uh, the owners that are paying taxes on that income. So whether you pull the money out or not, whether you take a draw or not, that income that the LLC makes is going to be is going to be you're going to have to pay those taxes um, from a legal standpoint. You can always take money out of the LLC for, you know, if you want to use it for personal uh, expenses. That's 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 fine. You do have to take the additional step of moving the money from the LLC bank account to your personal bank account and then pay your personal expenses out of the personal ba- bank account. Don't pay those expenses, don't pay for your mortgage, don't pay for your groceries directly out of the LLC bank account. You have to take that extra step to move the money into your personal bank account, um, but if you want to take the money that's in the LLC and use it to live on, you can do that. You just have to take that, that extra step um, so that the LLC has its own financial existence separate from your own. Don't commingle funds. Don't pay personal expenses out of the L- directly out of the LLC bank account. Don't pay for company expenses directly out of your personal bank account. Um, those would be you know, my that would be my advice on that situation.
2: I like it. Um, I will add this, uh, Chris, is keep in mind that what you're taxed – I'm just going to say it a different way. Sometimes saying it a different way makes it click for everybody. For all of you out there that have a single-member LLC owning rental property, what you take out is not what you're taxed on. What you're taxed on is rent minus expenses. And what do you guys know I'm going to pound into your tax return? A bunch of expenses: depreciation, mortgage interest, travel, dining, entertainment, home office. So your LLC, your single-member LLC, is going to lose money on paper, even though you may be pulling out cash flow. Woo! Loving it. Yeah, I mean it's it's like match made how, in heaven. So it sounds so much more
3: exciting when you say it, Mark. The way you say it. <laughs> That's just I, I think I think Matt experiences this on the on the show as well. So so yeah.
2: Oh, well, I'm not, well, I'm not trying to show. You. No, no, I'm not that. saying you're
3: upstaging me. I'm just saying you're awesome, and that you make it like, oh, it's a party. I make it, oh, you're a, you're a lawyer. So there you go. <laughs>
2: hey, being a lawyer is a party. I, you know, I watch. <laughs> there things. you go.
3: Take a bar. I Boston
2: Legal. Hey, William Shatner is my hero, man. He's my favorite lawyer. So yeah, there we go. Uh, Boston Legal, baby. Okay, so um, uh, Chris has a follow-up question uh, with multi. With multiple single-member LLCs that have no employees, do you recommend creating a separate QuickBooks file for each LLC or manage them all in one file? I'm going to field this one, Jeremy, real quick. As a yeah. QuickBooks Pro advisor, and I am geeked out on QuickBooks. I love that little sound. ding ding So if you're ever doing QuickBooks, you know the sound I'm talking about. I love that sound. Here's the thing, folks. If you have an LLC, whether it's single-member or multi-member, each LLC will ultimately need its own set of books. It's going to need its own profit and loss statement at the end of the year. Now, you might have multiple rentals in that one LLC, but the LLC needs its own checkbook and its own QuickBooks file. I don't care if it's a multi-member or a single member. If you have five LLCs, you need five bank accounts, you need five QuickBooks files, and then those five reports come out and you do your taxes at the end of the year. Some people go, well, Mark, oh my gosh, that's so much work and it makes my life crazy. No, 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 no. Try putting your crap together at the end of the year without QuickBooks. You want to talk crazy? That's crazy because bad bookkeeping can just destroy you emotionally. And then you think, well, Mark, extra checkbooks and QuickBooks is, you know, too hard. No, no, no. I'm solving your problem. I'm making life easier for you. I'm just going to share this quick example too. Earlier today, I had a really emotional phone call. Wow, I just got a little ting of emotion myself uh, just bringing it up. It was a couple – and they've got the IRS that literally just lien their house, and they're going to potentially in the next seven days lose their home. And what they've done for five, close to seven years, five to seven years, their books have been a disaster. They've missed a tax return here and there. They haven't been able to pay their taxes. And yes, they've had a lot of problems come into their life. And it was a very emotional call. They're they're not deadbeats. They're they're great people, and they're trying to bring it all together. But they time and time again on that phone call said gosh i wish we would have been more organized we could have we could have avoided this that's what quickbooks and good organization will do for you anyway well i've shot some videos on how to do quickbooks 12 videos on how to set up your own quickbooks simple and easy which quickbooks do i buy how do i install it i literally open the box and install it on the screen with you it's simple it's easy and i'm shooting 10 plus new videos for 2016 on QuickBooks. Oh, I hope it's the next month or so. And you'll get those for free as well. So if you don't have my QuickBooks little video series, get on my website. Uh, it's something you can make your kids watch when they're grounded. It's a great uh, punishment. They, my kids, Perfect. they hate QuickBooks. Yeah, <laughs> they know, Oh, I'm grounded. Dad's going to make me watch QuickBooks. Yeah, you bet. it. Damn right. You're in trouble. You don't steal a car at midnight and go out. Okay. All right, so. <laughs> Oh, so some of you may have teenagers. You know what I'm talking about? All right. Okay. Well. Uh, <laughs> um, hey,
3: Mark, I, I would just throw out on that topic real quickly. It also helps from a legal standpoint, um, not just the the tax and bookkeeping standpoint. From a legal standpoint, if you have five different sets of QuickBooks, that is good evidence um, if somebody down the road is trying to make it seem like, oh, all of your LLCs were just managed at Together and they weren't really separate. So let me get at the assets of all five to satisfy a judgment against any one of them. Um, If you can show that, look, they each have their own QuickBooks file and I do them separately. That is good evidence to kind of protect the corporate veil between the five LLCs. All
2: right. Well, now I um, I love it. Great comment, Jeremy. Now I'm going to bring Jen out onto the line. Uh, She is our. studio tech and they're having some problems with the internet. So Jen, I'm bringing you out just so you know, you can clear your throat here. Uh, Jen, is that you? Yeah. Jen, are you I'm on? Here. Okay. I've, yeah. I think we've got some callers trying to get on, but you're unable to speak with them, right? Should I just go for it and bring them out on the line cold?
3: Yeah. Bring them out on the line.
2: Okay. Let's do it. Now I think someone else was trying to get on the line. So if some of you were just calling in and pressing the number one, when you call the phone number, 646-668-8326, and you press the number one, if you want to come on the show, you'll go into a queue. Well, I've got phone caller uh, 9731. <laughs> That's all I can say. That's your handle, 9731. So I'm going to bring you out on the line now. So, so if you a, a, can be in a quiet place, I don't know. Uh, Jen usually filters these calls. So please forgive me. So we're just going to do this and run with it. This is ghetto radio. Okay. So uh, phone number 9731. Uh, welcome to the show. You're on with us now live. Tell us your name and uh, what your hi. question is. My name is
4: Kyle. Hi, thanks for taking my call. I'm a long-time listener, second-time caller, so it shouldn't be any surprise,
2: hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> That's Kyle. We recognize your voice. There's a little bit of static, too, so jump right into it, and then I'm going to take your call uh, off. Okay, line. sure. Yeah, it should be much better. So,
4: uh, quick question. So, I own a rental property in California for the last 20 years, and five years ago, I did a uh, 1031 exchange, to another rental okay. property, and I put in more money on it. So I rent it out two years, and I lived there for four years. So this year, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about selling it to, and buying other properties for my son, and I'm just afraid that I, I accumulate all this appreciation. Do I have to uh, pay all this you know, um, you know, appreciation tax and stuff, or how do I avoid uh, using the same money that I, that, I, that I appreciate and buy another house for my son?
2: Oh, boy, this is a great question. Kyle, thank you so much for calling. I'm going to mute your line just because of the static. Thank you so much for calling in. Thank you. Okay, so Kyle, uh, great question. Now, this is a tricky one. Regrettably, since this show is being recorded (laughs) and uh, some IRS agent may be listening somewhere or someone at the bottom of the Pentagon, I don't know. Let me give you the the truthful, honest answer, which I would anyway, uh, but I'll also tell you how this can oftentimes get abused. Okay, so let me rehearse what Kyle just said for those of you that may have not heard that because of the static. Kyle bought a home 15 years ago plus. It's, it was a rental. And then he did a 1031 exchange about five years ago, let's say. And then he turned it into his primary residence. Wow, right? A little complicated. Well, when that happens, when you do a 1031 exchange, you've got this built-in gain. So, you bought it for 100 grand, it's worth 300 grand, and you do a 1031 exchange, you don't pay tax on the 200. You bought it for 100, sold it for three. The 1031 exchange allows you to exempt that level of income, whatever that amount was when you did the 1031. Then, Kyle took to the next level and turned it into his home. So, the technical, truthful, honest integrity you're going to be at the pearly gate someday, and God's going to ask you, Did you cheat on your taxes, Kyle? And Kyle wants to say, No, God, I did not. Let me in. Kyle, what you have to do is come up with that figure and it'll be in the records and the catacombs of your filing cabinet of when you did that 1031 exchange back five plus years ago or whatever it was, what was the basis that you punted, if you will, or kicked out or that deferred gain? What was that deferred gain? That's what accountants call it. And you would report that on a Schedule D on your tax return this year when you sold it. Now, everything else would presumably be exempt because you'd have your sell of home exemption. And and I'm not assuming your property went up to a million dollars, but you'd have your sell of home exemption with everything else. But you'd go back and look at what did I exempt from income back when I did that original 1031, and you would honestly claim it. Now, how this gets abused is some people will not claim that amount. And what's happened is that property is no longer on your tax return. For the last three or four years, it's disappeared from the eyes of the IRS. So because it, it's not on your property as a rent, it's not on your tax return as a rental anymore. It disappeared. It's your primary residence. So now if you were to get audited, the IRS would figure this out and discover it. But some people will abuse this and they'll sell a home that used to be a 1031 and not go back and claim the tax that they should have when they did the 1031. So being honest, you want to get with your accountant, and dig up those numbers and report it. You don't want to be in problems with the IRS someday. Okay. Jeremy, anything to add? You're cool with that? Hey, and
3: and my I just my follow-up question, and because it became his primary residence, correct? If it had remained a rental, then he could you know potentially do another ten thirty-one exchange down the road, down the road, right?
2: Yes. You could keep putting right. the football for lack of a Super Bowl analogy here. There uh, you go. But uh there okay. we go. So uh, we're going to have some fun here, too. I'm going to put Jerem on the spot. This is Oh, the show is going so great. I'm having so much fun. we got well over a half an hour left, and we've got some live callers. Now, again, because of the internet down at the studio back in Phoenix, um, I'm just going to pull out another caller here. Uh, so if you're on the line, I'm going to pull out caller 8834. That's your phone number. So if you can be somewhere quiet, I'm going to bring you out now and uh, introduce you to the show. So uh, 8834, welcome to the show. What's your name and your question?
1: Uh, hi, Mark.
4: This is uh, Chip in Dallas.
2: Chip, thanks. Welcome to the show. Now, hey, Chip, name – are you a Dallas Cowboy, Dallas Cowboy fan? Yes, no? You bet. Okay. Name the last Super Bowl Dallas played in. Do you remember well, – you know what? Let's not even do that. Jeremy Jerem. Tell us the last Super Bowl. 21, 20, it. 20 years ago. Don't get us. Yeah, it was
3: right, exactly man. 20 years ago. It was Super Bowl 30. I was at that game. It's the one Super Bowl I attended. It was at Sun Devil <laughs> Stadium in Phoenix, Arizona. Larry Brown had two interceptions of Neil O'Donnell in the second half to be the MVP. And the final, I believe, was 27-17 or 24-14 Dallas over Pittsburgh.
2: <laughs> the glory days. Chip out, <laughs> oh yeah, man. Hey, was that Roger Starbuck? Tight. And uh, yeah, is that crazy? He can do that. The that and Starbuck. No, that, was, Troy that
4: would have been the that would have been the triplets: Troy, Emmett, and Michael. Yeah,
3: yeah.
2: Uh, I'm, I'm.
3: <laughs> yeah, you're going back to the I, '70s. This was the '90s. Yeah,
2: I'm going back too. I'm too old. You know, you say to Super Bowl, uh, maybe Super Bowl '20, not 20 years ago, and Super Bowl '30. Uh, yeah. yeah, isn't that weird, Chip? Is that crazy? That's the type of guy we got on the show today. Yeah, I, yeah. All right, <laughs> all right. Okay, Chip, what's your question? Thanks, man.
4: So uh, I have a self-directed IRA through um, an Albuquerque firm. That uh, is how I found you guys and uh, Matt's book and everything there. And actually, Jerem has helped me with uh, you know set up some things through my self-directed. But I just wanted to ask a question. I still have my corporate 401k. I was able to move some money from that uh, to set up my self-directed, and I max it out uh, every year still on the corporate side. But uh, am I able to do any after-tax contributions to the uh, self-directed IRA to continue to increase the funds? And that is one question. And then. I also have a health savings account, and I thought I read in one of the books that you might could do some health savings investment as well, but uh, the firm that I work with currently doesn't seem to do those. I was wondering if you had any guidance or knew who might.
2: Yes. uh, Great question, Chip. Um, I'm going to field the easy part of that and give the hard one to Jeremy. (laughs) Uh, So I'm going to take the health savings account and frankly, I don't know the answer to the first one as well as I should. I'd be guessing. So, Jerem, if you want to uh, check your notes there, maybe you've got an answer you can give, or we're going to field that at the first of next week's show. Maybe it's our tax tip of the week next week if we have to. But let me field the health savings account. That's a a base hit right there. Love it. So, Chip, what you can do, irregardless of your IRA and 401K issues and strategies and goals, if you have a high-deductible health care plan, now we're right around the corner from enrollment period, and you're corporate job may be providing your health care and have an enrollment period that's different time during the year. But when that time comes, you want to make sure you have a high deductible plan. That's about $1,200 if you're single, $2,500 if you're a family. So you have to have these higher deductible. Those are just rough numbers. We meet that. It changes it. We meet that. Oh, you meet that. Good, good, good. Okay, so if you have the high deductible plan, this is for everybody listening. If you have a high deductible health care plan, then you qualify for a health savings account. So you can go to an HSA. Uh, a bank and open an HSA, or what Chip's asking is, can I go to a self-directed custodian and open up an HSA and then take that contribution and make it a partner in my next LLC with my IRA or with anybody, Joe Schmo? Uh, and the answer is yes, you can self-direct a health savings account. I actually honest to God, I, which is so fun. I can say this. I actually have a little LLC in in Chicago, Illinois, Illinois. Some of you that have been to my workshop have seen the picture of my little meth lab out there in Chicago. I love it. And I have my health savings account that owns this little low income housing meth lab. Isn't that ironic? You know, health savings account. No, I'm just joking. It's not a meth lab, but, (laughs) but uh, I have a rental property in my health savings account and it paid for my daughter's uh, braces. So that was a one little investment my wife and I that we, have a glimmer of hope of someday making it happen. I'm just like many of you trying to buy the right type of rentals. But um, so that's what you can do. Um, I'm going to just recommend, Jerem, you may have the contact info there, is Vantage. Vantage uh, is a uh, IRA custodian out of Phoenix, Arizona. They, have, uh, they do health savings accounts as well, I believe. Uh, and I know you could go through Pensco. Uh, IRA trust company, I believe a couple, two or three. If Vantage doesn't work for you, email me personally, Mark Mark J Kohler, and I'll send you a, a, a list of some other custodians that allow for HSAs. But Jeremy, Vantage HSA, right? I think they do. Yeah,
3: that's my understanding is that Vantage does those um, uh, lo- and allows you to self-direct um, yeah. an HSA plan. So uh, I would I would reach out to them, Vantage IRA. Um, I, I, Matt would know for sure, but he's not here. But that's that's my recollection. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and if, just Google Vantage IRA in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, Jerem, do you have an accurate um, answer to question one?
3: And, and, and Matt would know for sure on this too, but my understanding is you can max out both your contribution um, to your, your 401k at work and either, and depends on your income, whether you can contribute to a Roth, If you wanted to do um, a Roth or a traditional IRA, you can do those as well and contribute up to uh, to, $5,500 a year to one or the other, or you know, a combination of the two. Um,
2: uh, After tax, in addition
3: to what after tax, in addition to what you're doing um, with your 401k.
2: Now I'm going to actually say this chip too, is that I want to verify that. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. I think yeah. we'll hit that next week, the first of the show. I apologize. Yeah, if I, we had our-
3: I, I'm about 75% sure on that. So let's, let's get the hundred percent at the beginning of the show next week.
2: Okay. Thanks. Hey, Chip, thank you so much. I hope you get to a Dallas game this fall. We'll try. <laughs> All righty. Thanks so much. Um, Okay. I don't know if All right. don't know they're me...
3: going to be any good anyway. So I don't, I don't know if he really wants to go to a Cowboys game this yeah. year. We'll see.
2: There you go. Okay. Well, let's jump over to an email question. Then we're coming back to the live callers. Uh, we've got a live caller. Oh, she. they just dropped off. So I was hoping, I think that was 8834. Uh, we we're going to come over there. So anyway, just uh, sometimes people are dropping on and off. So if any of you have a live question, just dial the number. Uh, I'll give that to you again 646 668 eight, three, two, six, and press the number one. We'll get you right out on the show. Um, Okay, this is from Pansy, longtime listener and client. We love her. Uh, She's got a question. Now, usually, Pansy, you know this. You throw out two or three questions in one email. You're killing me. So we'll just maybe choose one of these. We'll see if we can do it. It may be a big question, uh, too. I'm just going to go for it. And if we have to punt and I'll reply via email, that may be what we'll have to do. Uh, So she says, happy Wednesday, Mark. How long can you keep an S-corp with a solo 401k in operation without active income before needing to dissolve the S corp and the S corp solo 401k. Uh, My understanding is Pansy. There's no, there's no time limit. As long as you file the tax return for the S corp, as long as you pay the fees to maintain the 401k, you could theoretically keep it open as long as you'd like. Uh, If the owner of the S corp died, the S-Corp would wind down and then kick the 401k to an IRA. Uh, in natural practice, most people that have a 401k with a company and then leave as an employee, uh, they usually can keep their 401k active for as long as they want, or some companies boot them out to an IRA right away. Different companies have different policies, but I don't think there's any time limit. Do you, Jerem?
3: Yeah, i think I, I guessing what she's getting at is you, know, you have to have self-employment activities in order to establish a 401k. And is there some magic number where, yeah, I had self-employment activities when I set up the solo 401k, but now that, that S Corp really maybe isn't doing anything. I'm not aware of any specific timeline, as long as you had a bona fide intention to have self-employment activities, or you had self-employment activities when you established the solo 401k. Um, I don't think there's any specific amount of time, you know, where, where you don't have any income, um, that you have to, 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 you know, dissolve the whole thing.
2: Yeah, I think you're good. And now, and then Pansy goes on in her email and mentions that it's been a challenge to make some money this uh, year in the business and they may even borrow from the solo 401k, which you can do. Folks, you can set yep. up your own 401k, roll old IRA money into it, and then borrow from your own 401k that used to be an IRA. And it can be used to... Uh, boost the business. So that's cool. And, but Pansy, don't feel pressure. Don't feel rushed that you're going to lose the 401k situation with navigator and the checkbook control and all that. You're cool. Uh, Just keep trying to make the ends meet and invest that 401k and, and keep the business active and don't worry about someone knocking on the door telling you, you can't do it. I think you're good.
3: Especially if she has activities and she's doing, you know, she's, she has self-employment activities. If she's not making money, but she's out there trying um, yeah, EVA especially then, there's not going to be an issue with the solo 401k.
2: Yeah, I think we're good. Um, okay, a question from Terry. Uh, I have an LLC and a corporation in Nevada. The annual list and state business licensing filing is due August 30th. this year. So just in 30 days from now, approximately. Corporation fees have now increased by $500. Yeah, screw Thank you. We know that. Oh, sorry, I get upset. Now, we set up entities in Nevada, but it oftentimes gets oversold by a couple of company headquarters down there that I can't stand. Then there is the new Nevada commerce tax. We won't owe tax, but they are requiring personal information of the owners. Yeah, what happened to privacy in Nevada? Gone. See, again, Nevada's getting oversold, folks. It's expensive, and there's no privacy. And she says, I don't want to do this. Can we move these entities to a different state and time to avoid all of this? Terry, now we've got Jerem, our Nevada attorney on the line. Uh, I don't want to steal his thunder, so I'm just going to let Jerem uh, answer he earned it by sitting through that miserable Nevada bar. So uh... <laughs> The
3: two-and-a-half-day Nevada bar. Uh... She, you know, you. I don't know if, if you're going to have. An, you've got 27 days. If you want to move the LLC, if you want to, what that's called is a domestication, moving the LLC from or and the corporation from one state to another. You can certainly do that. Um, whether you can get everything completed in the next 27 days depends on the state that you're moving to and how quickly things are moving with the Secretary of State's office there in Nevada. Whether you want other state um, depends on whether you're actually doing business in, in Nevada. If you were sold a Nevada LLC and a Nevada corporation and you're actually doing business in some other state, then by all means, let's domesticate out of the state of Nevada so that you don't have to pay those fees and make all those disclosures. If you're actually doing business, you own a rental in the state of Nevada. You've got a storefront location in the state of Nevada. You have employees in the state of Nevada. Then you're going to have to bite the bullet, keep the company in Nevada, and pay those fees and make those disclosures. I think that's pretty accurate. I I don't know if you've got anything
2: to follow up, Mark. Great comments. I would say I think you have time. You just need to get with a paralegal ASAP. I would call Susan Compy, Susan Compy at our office, and the main number if you don't have it is – four, three, five, five, eight, six, nine, three, six, six. Ask for Susan and say, and that's again, four, three, five, five, eight, six, nine, three, six, six. Ask for Susan and go, Susan, I got to get this out in Nevada ASAP. I think she can pull it off. That'd be my first comment. And, uh, yeah. And then,
3: let me, yeah, just about every state you'll be okay.
2: Yeah. And let me add this too. I'm not saying a Nevada LLC is a bad thing. If your situation It's helped by it. If you've got 20 rentals in three states and you're worth $2 bucks, well, frankly, and you've got a Nevada LLC, I may very well keep it, and I'll have that Nevada LLC act as a parent company of all your other LLCs and provide an extra layer of asset protection. That's a phenomenal strategy. But again, that's going to be a very small cross-section of real estate investors. But, heaven forbid, you go to a workshop at some of these promotion companies, and then you get the phone call a week later saying you need a Nevada entity, and they overcharge you and set you up in Nevada when you don't need it. So uh, be cautious. Now, if, if some of you listening, if you came to us fresh and go, Mark, I want that extra layer of protection. I need it. We're going to use Wyoming. We're even going to use Utah. There's more privacy, less cost and the same state protection. Nevada isn't the the only show on the street anymore. Uh, it's it's uh, There's other great states that are more affordable with more privacy. So uh, I'd get out of there, Terry. Good move. Okay, uh, let's see if we have any live callers here. No, no live callers. So we've got plenty of listeners on live, but just no one with a question. You're all listening. I love you. This is awesome. Um, I'm going to go over to our internet and look at our most recent question today, and I'm trying to take it for the, pers- uh, the first person that comes in. So we've got uh, – I, I mean in the order they came in. So we've got Miho. Um, uh, please forgive me if I mispronounce some of these names, but Miho, M-I-H-O. Miho says, hello, Mark. Thank you for your fun tax legal lesson. <laughs> I enjoy whenever I'm in your class. Thank you so much. By the way, I've got my five workshops coming out this fall. 3rd, from September to December. And you're going to see, folks, that in the newsletter uh, with some early bird special deadlines. The special deadline for Seattle ends in 10 days. So you get $50 off. It's only $150. You get lunch and a day with me and a tax write-off. Are you kidding me? It's one of the cheapest, best workshops in the country. So get out. Okay. Um, So uh, here it is. I am working part-time W-2 and have a DBA for sales and marketing. Okay. Part-time W-2, DBA for sales and marketing. And work is a real estate independent small business. No money yet, profit, no, no sales yet. My husband works full-time W-2 and we have no children. How can we make a family management sole proprietorship and HSA account? How does that work? Is the best way for my husband to open a family management sole proprietorship bank account? What can a family management sole prop do for us? And uh, a sole Pro, per, proprietorship bank account? Can we open a health savings account? Uh, whew, and she continues to go on with some questions about this family management company. Uh, Miho, we probably need a consult, but let me do my best to answer this. And this is for everybody out there. Uh, listen to what Miho said. She says, Mark, I have a DBA. That's a doing business as. So she already has a name reserved with the state for sales and marketing and work as a real estate and independent sales business. I believe those are the same thing, so that's cool. Uh, Miho, you already have your family management company. It's the DBA. So uh, I I use the family management company as a specific little term of art that's kind of a Mark Kohler term for those of you out there that have S-Corps and need to hire your kids. I call it a family management company. Miho, you don't need to use that term. You don't need a family management company. Frankly, don't use that term anymore. Uh, I think it's going to confuse the matter. What you have, Miho, is already a sole proprietorship. It is your uh, little DBA. I'd like you to use that account to run your small business and take write-offs. Uh, a health savings account, and just another side note. This is a big topic, so I'm just going to hit the highlights for Miho. And Miho, I'd schedule a half hour with me, and we can really uh, you know, work this out. But uh, just like we were talking earlier with Chip wanting to do an HSA, you do not have to have a small business to have an HSA. All you have to have is a high deductible insurance plan. so Miho uh, don't the, the issue of an HSA and the issue of a family management company are two different issues, and you already have a sole proprietorship, and you just need to look at your insurance policy to see if you can do an HSA. Uh, give me a call, uh, Jeremy. I'm going to move on because I think we're just yep. it, it's a difficult question. Um, okay. So we are over here to Dennis, uh, and where are we at on our time? Let's see, about 15 minutes left. Oh, yeah. we got a live caller. Live caller, they take priority. Woo! Sorry, Dennis, you're gonna have to go on hold. So this is we're gonna go to caller 4402. Again, I apologize for the uh, uh, <laughs> the white trash uh, approach to radio, <laughs> the ghetto <laughs> approach. Uh, sorry, I don't mean to offend someone living in a trailer, but uh, I yeah. I grew up in a small town, yeah. but um, we're going to just jump right over to caller 4402. Welcome to the show. Please tell us your uh, name and question.
0: Thank you, Mark. This is Sharon, and I did email my question, but I don't know because I just got on the phone a few minutes ago. I don't know if you've already answered this question. Um, I well, Sharon, I, I, we, we, we have this. not
2: fielded it. Oh, let me say, Sharon, we have not fielded in any email questions from anybody called Sharon. We would probably would have gotten to it, we would hope, but you just guaranteed yourself priority by calling in. Thank you so much. Um, so yes, anyway, Sharon, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> go ahead.
0: No problem. Um, I have a self-directed IRA, and I just wanted to know, I'm considering investing in a commercial real estate piece of property, and I wanted to know what the consequences are, tax and otherwise of a self-directed
2: IRA investing in, in real estate. Ooh, I love it. Now, it's a big topic, uh, but we can definitely make some key points. I've, you've been listening to me way too much the last four and a half minutes. So I'm going to jump over to Jerem. Jerem, if you had Sharon call you and ask what the ramifications are of using our IRA to buy real estate and what are the, some of the benefits and pros and cons or procedures, gosh, give us a, a quick 60 seconds. What would you say?
3: Yeah, the nice thing is that's probably the number one thing that self-directed IRAs invest in is real estate, and especially real estate that's spitting off rental income, be it commercial or residential real estate. So if the income that you're getting is rents from, from the commercial real estate being rented out to tenants, there is no tax On the income that comes in Um, it's not an unrelated business income tax situation if money wasn't borrowed to purchase the property there's no UDFI so the the income that you're getting is going to be either tax-free if you're a a Roth IRA or tax-deferred until you take a distribution if you're a traditional IRA so there there aren't any real tax ramifications negatively speaking for investing in real estate that's one of the freedoms of a self-directed IRA is you can invest in something like commercial real estate uh, instead of just stocks, bonds, and mutual funds in a, in a regular IRA situation. Um, you know, y- you may want to think about uh, investing through an LLC. Um, in order to provide you with some limited liability protection for what happens on that property so that you and your IRA aren't on the hook. If somebody slips and falls out you know, in the front of the building and wants to sue the property owner, um, that, uh, that also will give you some flexibility in terms of dealing with your IRA custodian on money that goes into and out of your account. Um, but, but those are kind of the main points uh, if you're going to use an IRA to invest in real estate, especially rental real estate.
2: I love it. Okay. I just add ask- Sharon real quick. Oh, yeah. Instead of me adding something, you go ahead, Sharon. Follow-up question.
0: Thank you so much. I appreciate both of your help. Um, okay. My self-directed IRA is an LLC. Great. And I also have another individual who has a self-directed um, IRA, which is an LLC. Can those two IRA LLCs uh, own another company and that company, an LLC, invest in the real estate? Is, is
2: there a problem with that
0: uh, or is it better me, for the IRA to,
2: to invest directly? Well, let me just give you a technical answer. Not a problem. Freaking do it. Now that's yep. that, that freaking do it is a uh, technical term. the It's a term yeah. of art. Yeah. <laughs> You're good to go, Sharon. I love it. Uh, you might, uh, when these two IRA LLCs marry up, they might do a joint venture agreement. They might form a new LLC together Uh Ultimately, if you find out that you and this new partner are doing all your deals together and you're just having a great time together, you might ultimately just dissolve the two IRA LLCs and just take your IRAs and put them together in one LLC together. You can do that, too. So there's lots of options. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. go for it. Um, even if that other IRA LLC is a family member, you can partner up to do deals. Now, there's some caveats and some prohibited transactions. You don't want to get just run out the door and go do this tomorrow without some guidance. But we're there for you. Uh, we give you a comfort letter if we form that, that final LLC that you're going to create together between these two IRA LLCs. We can help draft that and give you some uh, do's and don'ts. And But, yeah, go for it. Love it. Okay.
0: Thank you both. I really appreciate it. <laughs>
2: Thank oh, you. thanks for listening and thanks for calling in. I love it. Um Okay. Now uh we're gonna jump over to um let's see here. I'm trying to drop Sharon there. Okay, let me take this uh um I I now on Blog Talk Radio I'm gonna say this uh it can be sometimes uh a little crazy taking live callers uh, uh, because there's no filtering here. And sometimes there's people that call up with uh, phone numbers just to harass the show, just for the fun of it. I'm not sure we've got kind of a unique number here. One, one, one. So I'm going to just jump over there. And if I apologize, everybody, if this is not legit, but let's give it a shot. I want to promise our callers a, an opportunity to ask a question on the show. So one, 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 welcome to the show. Uh, let's see. Are you there? Can you hear me?
1: Yeah, I hear you guys great. I love the show. I'm a brand new listener.
2: Well, okay, so you don't sound like a heckler, so I'm I'm happy already. So that's <laughs> No, no. I'm not smart <laughs> enough sir. to be a heckler. <laughs> oh, thank you, sir. Well, please, tell us hey, your name, where you're from, and your question. Yeah, what's going on?
1: My name is Jim. I'm from Fort Worth, Texas, and I'm in the advertising business, and I write jingles and, and songs for companies. I recently did a jingle for a show called The Don Geronimo Show. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Radio legend.
3: I actually am, yeah. believe it or not. Oh, it's a, okay, so you're what? Well,
1: today Derek came to the studio to take the gay phone chat challenge. He started jerking people off on the yeah, show. Yeah, there we go. I and I'm wondering
3: – Mark, you want to get rid of that guy?
1: No, no. no. Mark. The question is, I'm wondering, is it legal – to have phone sex on a podcast, yeah. Mark.
2: Yeah, we Too guy. bad. When he yeah, said Don Geronimo,
3: bad. I thought it might be going that way.
2: That's too I bad. Actually, I, if that yeah, person's I still listening, I, I know you may be calling uh, with a legal question like that, but we want to try to keep it somewhat of a family show. And I don't want to talk about phone sex and what's legal and what's not on a show like that. It's too bad. Well, we tried. You know, I tried, again, folks, this is what you get sometimes with live radio is you get some of those callers like that. Okay, so let's jump over to Dennis. And um, he says, I love the show. I'm a longtime listener and student of your advice. And I have a couple questions about employing your children under age 18. We've set up the sole proprietorship family management company and opened a separate checking account. So this kind of goes back to Miho's question about a family management company, which we love for kids. We want to uh, get kids on the show I uh, on the show, where to get kids on the payroll and and make sure that they uh, uh, were getting a tax write-off for that. So that's what you'd use a family management company for. So he says, as I recalled, you've said that we will not need to bother with a W-2 or FICA since they are children of the owner. Do we need to have the minor children fill out a W-4 and put exempt status on that? Uh, And likewise, do we need to fill out – oh, you said WC workers' comp. Yeah, there's no workers' comp or FICA. And he says, do we need to issue a W-2 at the end of the year? Um, Well, let me say this. Uh, The general rule is that you would not need to issue a W-2 because you're not doing any withholding. So when you pay the kids from the family management company, you'd call it outside labor. Make sure you follow a paper trail and pay the kids. Uh, Again, this is a topic for my webinar tomorrow night for a full hour. We're going to go through all the details. It'd be worth your while for 20 bucks, jump on that show for an hour, and I'll share my screen and really dive into the details of this. But I will say that there is a lot of debate uh, about should we issue the child a W-2, even when there's no withholdings? Is the IRS going to be upset if you don't? Uh, Well, since the penalty is based on the withholding amount, and there is no withholding, and Unless the child's going to open an IRA, do they even need a W-2? It's a big debate. We may even this year start asking our clients to file a W-2 if we can find some guidance that makes it a risk for our clients that's specific. We will do that. Uh, We will let you, our clients know if you need to. Uh, But right now, we uh, don't stress about it. Uh, we don't require our clients to do a W-2. It's something you might want to do. And I know there's CPAs out there on the, uh, you know, on the show freaking out, on yelling up and down. We can't hear them. But uh, they would say, do a W-2. And I'm saying, well, what's the penalty? There, there's no withholding anyway. Who cares? And I don't think the IRS is chasing down a $20 you know, non-filing W-2 penalty or who knows what. So we're, we'll work on that. Um, but then he also says at the S-Corp level, do I send a 1099 when I pay the family management company? I usually don't issue a 1099 to your own family management company. Technically, I guess you could or should. If you're issuing 1099s, a bunch of them anyway, might as well put your family management company on there. So uh, go that route. I think that, that could work out. But um, um, anything you'd add on the paying the kids, uh, Jerem?
3: No, I think you covered it really well.
2: Okay. All right. Well, let's jump over to uh, another IRA question. This is from Randall, and I'm going to throw it to you, Jerem. Uh, He says, hey, Mark, I'm setting up a checkbook IRA, a.k.a. IRA LLC, (laughs) with Entrust uh, uh, SDRA group to begin buying tax liens and property tax deeds. Now, when you say the word Entrust, they're not typically the most flexible with IRA LLCs because I have a feeling where this is going. Um, My understanding is that KOS can help me set up the LLC. Can the money, as a question one, can the money I roll over to the new IRA LLC I'm setting up pay the KQS fee for the creation of the LLC. So, Jeremy, can his IRA pay the bill for the LLC?
3: Yes, it, it yes. really should. E-
2: yes, easy one. Once the checkbook IRA LLC is up and buying tax liens, would there be any expense, say, for example, traveling to a tax lien auction or hiring a bookkeeper that would be permissible and appropriate to pay from the IRA instead of my personal account? A um, little trickier. Jerem, why don't you take your first stab at that?
3: Yeah, I mean, my... I wouldn't want the IRA to pay that, that expense for you because, yes, it's technically a business expense, but you're getting some sort of benefit from it, I think, because you are the one that's traveling and you're a prohibited party to your IRA. It really shouldn't be paying your personal expenses like that. That's my understanding.
2: Yeah. I. I and now, could you pay for the bookkeeper? Yes. Could you yes. pay for… Specific cost to the LLC, absolutely, but uh, not to the, uh, 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 not for your personal travel. Uh, now, the one last thing I would say is, Randall, typically what Ntrust says is you cannot be the manager of the LLC. That is not right. correct. You can, you can be the manager of the LLC. And if they start giving you crap when you're setting up this IRA LLC, give us a call. Uh, we can help guide you through what your real options are. And maybe you can work it out. I know Matt's got some contacts at the Trust offices where we can maybe uh, fast track it through the right person or office, or you may have to move your IRA because you should be the manager of that LLC. Absolutely. Yep. Um, okay. Well, we're down to our, our last two minutes. I don't know if we're going to be able to get another question. Shane, how did our Facebook live go? Do we have any questions on Facebook? Anything you wanted to throw out? No
1: questions Facebook.
2: All right. We had plenty of, views and listeners so we're excited we're doing a little bit of facebook live here and there and kind of exciting uh just a couple of final notes if you send in a question uh via email i'm going to try to answer it quickly to you via email or we'll save it for next open forum in four weeks if any of you that calling today have a question that we weren't able to get to and you know it's a little more involved please set up set up a console it, it would be a uh, uh, most appropriate, so we can get into your specific situation and really, really tailor it to you. Um, uh, Jerem, thanks for joining me today. You're awesome.
3: Great. Uh, it was an awesome time. It was a little, little touch and go with some of those questions, a little nerve wracking, but it, it was fun. Appreciate it.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I hope all of you enjoyed the show. Thank you so much. And I want to tell everybody please mark your calendar every week, Wednesday at noon mountain. Uh, you can call in, you can be on your computer, you can always catch this on iTunes. And don't forget, like I said, we've got a webinar tomorrow night. Get to markjkohler.com to sign up for that. And also the five workshops this fall starting September 15th in Seattle. A couple hundred bucks for the day. There's some early bird discounts, lunch, awesome information. So hope to see you at one of the workshops. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We love you.
0: Thanks for listening to another hour of refreshing strategies to better live your American
4: dream.
1: Don't forget to get your free copy of Mark and Matt's ebooks and sign up for their weekly free newsletter with important tax deadlines and articles at RefreshYourWealth.com.